got back from a men's conference. keeps going in and out, so just act like it's on at all times. Um, we just got back from a men's conference. I've asked two guys to kind of just share about how it went for them and what they thought, so I'm going to first ask Tino to come up. <laughs> Tino, he's just going to share about how it went for him and what he thought about it and how much sleep, sleep he got. And <laughs> Go ahead. First, I'd like to say it took seven hours just to get there. <laughs> we stopped at Dutch Bros, and in that addition, that added like four hours to the drive. But, I mean, overall, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing. I can't even put it into words just like the magnitude of just like the, the love parts of just the men. Like, there were, I don't know how many men, but, yeah, it was like everybody coming together, and it's amazing to see, like, it really just started – like it, all that it starts with just a man, and, and ultimately, like men are called to be leaders. It's biblical, you know. You, it's it's in the Bible, so it starts with the man, and ultimately, because of the man, his generation, the generations will be impacted be off one man's decision, and ultimately, um, it's, it's great. I I've never been to a conference of just all men, but um, yeah. So Friday we were there at seven at the UNLV college arena, so. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, the worship, we started off with Corey Asbury. If anyone knows who Corey Asbury is, you know, he's been in, in worship for, you know, decades. And it was, it was amazing. Just, yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, just the diversity of, of the different type of churches. Because it wasn't just based off one church. There were several pastors over, I think, probably like 10, 10 different pastors. There were some that came speaking in Spanish from, from uh, yeah, obviously Hispanic heritage, and then um, Baptist church, Calvary's or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think David, David Platt was really amazing. He was able to just, I don't, I feel like, you know, a lot of churches don't um, do sermons on the, the book, of, the story of revelations, because it's, it's hard to just minister that into people. I feel like it causes maybe fear and maybe, um, I don't know, just questions stuff like that but he was able to put it in a way where it was just like the urgency and like how how little of time we spent on this earth and how important it means for the eternity of of just you know whether you choose whatever decisions we make they'll make they'll make an impact on the rest of our the rest of our lives you know and past this life I mean but yeah and then um there was another pastor that he just he couldn't even preach like he couldn't put into words like how holy spirit he felt. he came up there shivering and i was like hey like is this guy nervous or he's just what's going on and he just couldn't control his spirit his spirit was just like overwhelming him he couldn't stand still as he's this dude was like he's like itchy like he just took some pre-workout or something but he was up there shaking and and he really didn't even have a word i felt like he just felt like man the presence of god is is just so overwhelming right now and he just called like, hey, like whoever is going through bondage, whoever has secrets in the dark that they can't, that they can't take anymore, whoever's just overwhelmed by your sin, come up and get delivered right now. Come up to the altar, and that's biblical. Anything putting you on, come up and set it on God's God's feet. You know, like God will take that anything, no matter what it is. There's no sin too little. There's no sin too great that God can deliver you from. And in one instant, one touch, it's just 
it's incredible, like, just the magnitude. And you think you know God. You think you, you have an understanding, and you, you just get so humbled by how little you know about, you know, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And, man, I just, I feel so renewed, and I know that all, all the brothers got touched. I know everybody came back different, you know. Man, man, our, our children's children are going to be impacted by this. So, man, it's incredible. Man, this guy, he, all right, yeah, man, yeah, all right. <laughs> he was like trying to like, hold the mic. I was, uh, uh, we're, well, first off, I do want to say this for every us. I mean, man, if you can do it next time, come. It's different. It's different. It puts you in a setting where there's just a different. Time. And the next guy, uh, we call <laughs> he is a foodieologist. <laughs> so, kidding. Now, nah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what his time was there. <laughs> Keep your sermon short, bro, okay? <laughs> well, I experienced going. The one thing that I've been dealing with was my heart to God. When we've been in church for a while, we know the first love was Christ. But my heart was becoming callous of just serving, of just not spending time as much with God as the day before. So that was one of my prayers going in to the conference. And there was a, there was a, a word that, uh, that one speaker said was that, Somewhere in, somewhere in Revelation, where the angels are around the throne of God, knowing that holy and holy and holy, every single moment for the rest of their life, for the forever. And I thought to myself, it's like, there was a moment when, when I was with God, when I was in that God, holy, holy, holy. But as time went on, I knew God was holy, but it didn't attract me as, as, as it once did. And then... As, as the speaker was speaking more, my heart started going soft for God again. Because I, because I remembered the first love. I remembered the love of God when, God when God wrapped his arm around me. And that's one thing that, like, really spoke to me. It's because we could be at our, our, our highest and we could be in our, in our lowest. And no matter where, no matter where you're at, we need God, and we always have been all with God, and that's something that really spoke to me, because no matter where you're at, whether you're in the high or in the low, the speaker said God will meet you in the valley, and He will also meet you in the mountains. But but don't forget where you came from, because because once you forget where you came from, you have lost the vision that God put in your heart. Because the heart of God, he wants everybody to know him. And once you forget how, how I did, what became callous, my heart for God and for the lost was fading away. And that is something that I, I want to bring to you guys. I'm thankful for him to, for selecting me. Because this could be a warning for you guys as well. That... Make sure your heart doesn't become callous to God. 
whether you ran out of the moment that you're, you're in a mountain, praise him. And in the valley, praise him too as well. And always have your heart towards God and for his people. Amen. Yeah, that was a good sermon. I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, it, was, it was such a good time, man. It was, um, I, I just want to clarify that you guys would know that sharing from heart, just sharing like something that when they went, the Holy Spirit spoke to them, talked to them, challenged them, encouraged them. Uh, for me, there was just a lot of edification. There was a Holy you know, was saying like, he just literally couldn't even do his sermon. He was just sharing, doing, and it was just such a good time. And I do want to say to us, all of us here as a church, uh, pray for us. Pray for us as men. We, I'm not neglecting women. I'm not neglecting the the. I like we're very mindful of the women, but I would say this: there there's something about that when men don't go to church. to church. Man goes to church, the house is more likely to go to church. And there was powerful things that I do want to kind of throw out. We're going to get to pastor. He has a it's Palm Sunday. He's, he's going to, it's going to be good. Uh, but I, but I do want to share just two things that uh, a thought, two thoughts that was good for all of us. Uh, one was pastor says you old. And he was, about, he was talking about the angels in heaven and how they, they live, they're, they're around God, holy, holy, holding him. They're looking at him. And all they can say is holy, how holy God is. And then he brought out the idea of what we look at. He brought out the idea of pornography. He brought out the idea of, of the things that we watch and the things that we feed and come behold. And that everything we're looking at is we're becoming what we're behold. And it's this idea of when John talked about Jesus, you know, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and we become what we behold. And then two, uh, the, other, the other thing was just basically, he said, imagine that uh, 50 years from now, some little grandkid is going to say, I remember when my granddaddy went to that event in Las Vegas and gave his life to Jesus. And, and our whole family changed from that moment. And I thought, that's a good word. Because there was men there, and even like some of us that went, said things they had to work on. But generations that are affected. And so like, I want to share that with you, man. Because uh, we came back excited. We came back just encouraged. It was good being around each other. Uh, laughing with each other also, but mainly laughing at each other. <laughs> and then um, eating, reading, you know, all the good stuff we did together. So it was um, We do want to just remind you, every Sunday, 6 p.m., we do prayer in the upper room. So over there, it's kind of, it's through that door to the right where the donkey is. But uh, <laughs> I'm donkey on the wall, so it's over there. Anyway, uh, but we do prayer at 6 o'clock every Sunday up there. See, all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh. <laughs> uh, 
stay in, stay in the app, in the Church Center app. Uh, all there. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Follow, share, get connected. Let's stay social, on social media. Giving, giving through Church Center app. Available uh, today, Pastor Jeremy ministering. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. We have Pastor Ancho. So, somebody, bring a friend, uh, bring some family. It's gonna be good. Uh, I'm excited. I just, I just feel like God's moving, man. He's doing some good stuff. Mainly because we're just kind of just getting out of the way, saying, "Lord, what do you want?" So, uh, I'm not gonna take much more time, but I do want to hand it over to Pastor Jeremy. But I do want to share a little bit. The way we connect it, okay? Uh, New LA started out as a digital first ministry, and we still believe, I still believe in the digital first uh, method because that's where everybody is. Everybody's on their phone. So I feel like we can phones. So we connect it through Instagram. <laughs> like we literally connected, started talking through Instagram. Never met in person, and then from there went and had coffee, and it, the rest is history, man. We've been, we've been hanging out. Families connected. We started hanging out with each other. They ended up moving out from the valley over to this area just through some good connections. And we just got uh, moved through their life and just seen their hearts to serve and their hearts for L.A. Uh, their ministry is in the And they have some connections. And just I've seen with me. And to see what God has done is awesome. So I was like, and I was like, Dude, like what? Like <laughs> I'll tripping out like the, some of the stories and I'm just like, "Wow, man." And I wish he could share all the stories with you, but I know what he has is going to bless you. But I just want you to know this. Um, just know that God's God's moving in him. God's moving with their family. God's doing stuff the Holy they're, they're submitted to the Holy Spirit saying, "What do you want us to do, Lord? You Jesus, you are Lord of our lives and we want to serve you." So, I want us all to stand, man. Let's let's just clap. Let's walk with Pastor Jeremy. All right. Uh, welcome, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. There we go. Um, I just want to say a thank you to this church, first of all. Um, I don't want to get too vulnerable, but this year has been such a um, a difficult year for us. And uh, even actually this, uh, really, the past year, who... Ha who uh, hasn't had a hard time, right, in the past couple of years? But um, for our church, it was, it was rough. It's been so rough, so hard. And uh, I just want to thank your church. Um, we had been able to attend maybe once or twice a month and come to, uh, to, to fellowship with you guys. And uh, this church has been such a breath of fresh air for us. And uh, you guys have been so encouraging. Uh, I just want to say thank you to, to Pastor Gabe. I call him Pastor Gabe. I know you guys say Pastor Gabo. I'm not that close to him yet. We got maybe in year five, I'll, you know, I'll fit into to the family, right? But, you know, his family, we, like, like he mentioned earlier, we met, it was 2020, wasn't it? It was like in the height of it all. And we went and got coffee, random place was open, and then drove around, prayed, hung out, and then, you know, you know, the families got connected, and, and long story short, here we are. So just, you know, I thank God for, for his life. He's been a good friend uh, the past couple of years, and um, um, it's actually not 
easy to to just leave a pulpit to somebody, especially if you've only known them for a couple years, right? What are they going to say up there? What might they say, right? And so just thank you for, for, for this opportunity. Um, I was going to bring this uh, newspaper to show you guys that I bought uh, a couple years ago. I bought this uh, uh, LA Times. I don't know if anybody still buys uh, LA Times unless you like subscribe online or something. But I bought, uh, I bought this newspaper and I was going to show it to you guys, but um, I, I forgot it. Anyways, I bought it two years ago on July 2nd, 2018. So that wasn't two years ago, it was four years ago. But um, it was uh, the day after LeBron James arrived into L.A. If you guys, you guys, any Lakers fans in here? Is it Clippers maybe or Lakers? Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm, I'm going to make this story really fast then. But um, so LeBron James arrived here to L.A. and it was like pandemonium, right? If you remember on the news, you had like hundreds of people at Staples Center or what's it called now? I think it's something else now. I forget the name, but what is it? Crypto Arena. Gosh, that's going to take some getting used to, right? But, um, you know, everybody at the arena, just jumping up and down. It was, you know, just celebrating and worshiping. Oh, it's LeBron. He's coming. He's coming. And um, he was paid. He signed a contract for four years of $153 million, $154 million. It's crazy, crazy money, right? And uh, for four years, and I think this is his last year in his contract. So um, it guaranteed victory, right? He came in, and what, his, year, his second year, Lakers won the championship, right? His arrival was guaranteeing victory. They were like, they were uh, willing to pay that much money. Um, if you guys remember uh, Dodgers fans in here, or, okay, there's no Angels fans in here, are there? Oh, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, like the Dodgers fans, you, you remember Mookie Betts, right? He's playing with, with uh, Boston Red Sox. They won the World Series. And then what happens? He comes in here to, to uh, arrives here in L.A. And what happens? It's that first year, right? They won the World Series. And I don't know if you guys ever remembered this, but they paid him or paying him uh, $365 million for 12 years. That's, I can't even fathom that. I just know it's a lot of money, but they're like, what, what do you do, right? I was, I tried to divide it. So 365 uh, divided by 12 years um, is, uh, is about 30 million, somewhere around there per year. 30 million, right? Okay, so I was, try, I was trying to make it like, uh, apply it to my life. 30 million, all right, in one year. Okay, I was like, Lord, if I, if I had 1 million, right? And I just divided that into 10. So that's about $100,000 a year, right? We all could live comfortable with $100,000 a year, right? And think that there's 365 million compared to $100,000 a year of being comfortable, right? It's a lot of money. Anyways, what happens is I mean, these athletes were celebrated. They were worshipped. I mean, it was, they were going to guarantee a victory. They were guaranteeing a championship. I know when I moved here to, to L.A. in 2010, first time when I arrived in L.A., 
I like to say there was one person that celebrated, right? My girlfriend, who is my wife now, but my, my girlfriend at the time, right, Deb, you guys know Deb. Um, I would like to say she was happy, right? I, the, a quick little story about that was um, a couple of months before I moved here, I was living in Dallas, and uh, I, I would visit her. I would fly out to visit her. We were dating long distance, and uh, I asked permission to marry her. I asked her dad, and um, her dad was the first person I saw my one of my visits, and she didn't know this. I, she she might be watching. I'm not sure, but she I don't know if she knew this. But I went straight to her house. She wasn't there. I went straight to her dad, and I uh, asked permission. And her dad said my plan was to marry her and to bring her back to Dallas. And her dad said, "You're moving here if you want to marry her." So two months later, I moved. Right. So here I am. And I'm, I'm you know, I'd still like to claim that she was happy. But, um, you know, you know, when we celebrate Palm Sunday, right, we celebrate what? The arrival of Jesus. Jesus arrived in Jerusalem. That was, this was the day thousands of years ago where Jesus arrived in Jerusalem. And he was guaranteeing a victory. Right. And he did. And he won. We won as Jesus followers. We could end the message right now, right? But Jesus is guaranteeing victory in your life. And when I say he's guaranteeing victory in your life, I'm not saying you're going to get $365 million. That's probably, that's a good victory, right? But that's not, that's, there's something better, right? It's eternal, something eternal. We could gain the whole world, but if we lose our own soul, scripture says, right? What is that? And so Jesus arrived into Jerusalem, guaranteeing victory in your life, that we could defeat sin, we can defeat trials and tribulations, that we'll still go through it, right? We still go through it. God never promised us that we will not have any problems, but that he would go with us into those triumphs, I mean, those trials. And so if you're you're a guest tonight, Maybe you're not a guest. You've been coming maybe the past, past few weeks. You know, Jesus has entered your life, and it's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that, that the services ha- have switched to night times, and now you're available to come here, and now you're here. You know, it's not an accident to, to where you've been coming the past few months where you got invited by someone. I just want to say whoever invited you loved you. And that's why you're here. They've been, they've been wanting you to be here. They've been wanting you to hear about Jesus. Or if you already know Jesus, they've been wanting you to experience him. And it's not an accident that you're here. You know, there were, I, I, was, I was thinking about the scenario when Jesus arrived into to Jerusalem of all the people that were standing there just worshiping him and celebrating him. There were a bunch of people there. You know, there were people that were followers like us that were saying, yes, our Messiah, he's arriving. This is our Savior. He's here. But then there, there are other people who, who probably were just there to, well, I want to see a miracle. I want to get entertained, right? They were only there for the benefits. Uh, there were some that were there probably saying, who, who is this guy? I mean, we'll read that in scriptures where they say, that's Jesus. That's our Savior. And so Jesus arrives into Jerusalem. 
And, and this is bigger, better than, than, than any, any sport or accolade or championship that we could think of. This is eternal stuff. It's not just temporary stuff. That'll end when the world ends, right? And I'm going to read this verse, uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. You know, there's a prophet named Zechariah. Um, the Old Testament prophet, uh, prophets, basically what, a, what is a prophet? A prophet is somebody who prophesies, right? It's, they prophesy a word from God that, that, that he's given them regarding something that God will give or God will do or something in the future, and then they will proclaim that to the people and let them know and warn people. And so here's Zechariah. He says in verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9, he says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Imagine this was written thousands of years before Jesus arrived. You know, when Jesus, he, when he entered uh, into Jerusalem, you know, you, all these Old Testament prophets, they would proclaim about Jesus and, and prophesy about Jesus. And, and this, this particular one is, is Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah. And he, he talks about how Jesus is now entering in humility. There were people there at that crowd who are probably thinking, he... We're expecting our, our Messiah, our Savior, but he's got to come in and ready for battle on a horse, right? Traditionally, when somebody arrives in a horse, that means we're ready. We're ready to fight. We're ready to go. But Jesus plans and says, I'm riding in on a donkey. We're coming in humility. And, I, and that's probably why I'm not Jesus, right? If I'm Jesus, I'm, I'm probably like, man, let's go. Let's do this. I'm going to be on a horse. Let's go. Let's defeat the Romans, right? But that's not what Jesus did. And he had eternal things in mind instead of temporal. Uh, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. And I'm going to read these, um, and then, uh, then I'll share with you just four or five quick things and then, well, you guys may be going to dinner. I'm not sure if you guys are still eating at this time or going straight to bed. I don't know. But um, Luke 19, 28 to 40. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two uh, disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a good excuse if you're stealing something, right? Say, the Lord needs it, right? Please don't do that. I was just joking. Don't take that seriously, all right? Unless the Lord tells you. But he's got to be visibly in front of you. you got to hear him audibly. All right, let's just make that clear right now. But he says, why are you untying that colt? Just say the Lord needs it. Verse 32. So they, they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, it happens, right? The, the, the owners asked them, why are, you, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. 
So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over, over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he received the place or reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Verse 38, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, they tell Jesus, Teacher, hey, rebuke your followers for their, say, for their saying things like that. And he replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. I just know, I, I was so convicted by that last verse. You know, I would, I don't know if I would want something that's, that has no life, something that's still, something that's just dirty, something that's on the floor, you know, to defeat my worship, right? Because Jesus deserves all the worship. And so, if it's not me, it's, like, it's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, if you don't worship me, you know that emoji that's like this, like, right? That's what I, what I think of. Jesus is doing that to them on the donkey, and he's just like, rocks will worship me. So I want to encourage you with a few things uh, this evening. One, you know, Jesus, when he enters into to Jerusalem, uh, I want to encourage you with that with that action that he did, that Jesus enters your life because he wants to. Jesus enters your life because he wants to. And you're here, it's not an accident. He's drawn you here. Whether by using a family member, a friend, maybe a social media post. But he enters into your life because he wants to. You know, in verse 28 that we just read, um, and you may not be able to pull it up there right away, but, but that's okay. But verse 28, after telling the story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. I mean, he was walking fast. He was ahead of his followers, rightfully so. He wanted to get into Jerusalem. He wanted to walk in there. He had a mission. And he's walking into your life right now with a mission because he loves you he wants you to be part of his family right jesus walks into your life because he wants to number two jesus enters your life with his plans he enters your life with his plans forget about your plans right forget about what you you're thinking of what what, you, what you've planned all these times it hasn't been working, right? But Jesus is walking into your life with his plans, and his plans are better. And we may not agree with, with it right away, but we'll see when God reveals it that we always think right here, and God's thoughts are where? Are higher. And he walks into your life with his plans. In verse 29, What's, what's cool about these verses is that when he gets to that town, what, he planned it already. He sent two of his followers so he could get to Jerusalem with his mission. 
he sent two of his followers, hey, I've got a plan. Here we go. Get that donkey, bring it here. And he had it all set aside, all in order of what's going to happen. Because he had a mission and nothing was going to stop his mission. Nothing can stop his mission to reach people. You know, but Jesus, he enters your life with his plans. And number three, Jesus enters your life using his followers to reach you. Like, well, just the verse that we read, he could reach you with anyone or anything. But he's chosen right now. I don't know your situation, but he's chosen your family. He's chosen your friends to reach you. And it's the same way when you grow up closer in your walk with Christ. Now it's going to be your turn because you're going to share that peace that he's given you. You're going to share that hope that he's given you. And you're going to go out these doors and you're going to think, man, I've got coworkers. I've got other friends. I've got other family members that I've struggled with. That maybe I was the problem. Maybe they were the problem. But you know what? I know they need Jesus the way I do, right? Jesus enters your life and using his, his followers to reach you. In verse 29, he sent two disciples. Your story might be the exact same way as this. Maybe there's two people that, were, that are followers of Christ that have been praying for you and encouraging you and inviting you to come here. And now you're here. But Jesus enters your life using his followers to reach you. Number four, Jesus enters your life bringing miracles. I don't know what that miracle is that you're awaiting for in your life. And for us, we've got like, gosh, maybe what, 30, 40 different stories here of, of miracles. Maybe that we're, we're expecting and asking God for. And it could be different things. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken that you've been really trying hard to fix. Maybe you've hurt somebody and you don't know how to fix it. Maybe, maybe it's a financial burden that has followed you all these years. Maybe you just have, have not budgeted right and you've spent your money unwisely and now you're here and you just need help from God. It could be anything right? But Jesus enters your life bringing miracles. You know, when they were expectant, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, they knew, they've heard, they've heard stories. Jesus brings miracles. I wonder if there were some genuine people there, I'm sure, that were thinking, Jesus will help us now, that we've been praying for this, and now he's here. But Jesus enters your life, bringing miracles. In verse 37, when he reached the place where the road started down, the Mount of Olives, all, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. They, they, these were people that, that have heard, but they've also seen miracles with their eyes and they were expectant and maybe they they were also like some of you where you've been inviting people hey Jesus is coming 
Let's go see him. Let's go meet him. And maybe the ultimate miracle of all is Jesus saving them, right? Jesus changing their lives. And that's the best miracle out of anything. Is that I know for me, I don't deserve God's mercy. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve his grace. But that's who he is, though. He's good. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's loving, right? And he forgave me of my sins. That's right. He forgave me. Someone who doesn't deserve any of this, but someone who deserves my worship. And he came to save me. And these people were expected. They were like, my family. They, they, God will give us the miracle of their salvation. They'll, they'll come to faith. They'll trust in him now. Right? And so Jesus is entering your life with miracles. And most importantly, hopefully if you're here today, that you're, you're thinking, you're, maybe you're, you're right there at the line, crossing, thinking about crossing that line of faith. And God's saying, come on, come on over. Just trust me. And I want to challenge you, let that decision, make that decision be today. That you cross that line of faith and you trust God with your life. My last point is that Jesus enters your life bringing peace. Verse 38. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. You know, Jesus wants to come into your life to bring peace. Jesus never promised, like I mentioned earlier, he never promised no trials or no hardships, right? And we see even in David, and you know Psalm 23, verse 1, right? And we hear this a lot in funerals. What does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I have no other desires. I have nothing else I want in my life. Right? And then if you keep going down, verse 6, even though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Only a Jesus follower can walk into trials and, and hardships with peace, right? To those who don't know who Jesus is, they're thinking of, how am I going to solve this? What am I going to need to do? But as Jesus followers, we just say, I can't do it, Lord. Please help me. I can't do it. Only you can help me. And so Jesus enters your life bringing peace. And he can give that to you as we trust in him, as we place our faith in him as our Lord, as a Savior of our lives. You know, Romans 5, 1 is my last verse. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. <clears throat> it says, Paul was writing this letter to the church at Rome, and he says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. You know that word there, if you, if you uh, use a different, an older translation, it uses the word justified. We have been justified by our faith, right? When we place our faith in Jesus, God justifies us. So you're like, man, that's, 
For me, that's too deep of a word, right? So I always have to use like a, uh, look for it in a different translation or, or try to look it up. But, but justifying, I, I remember at Bible college, my professor, he tells me, and, and I remember it years later. I still remember it. But he says, justified, this is what it means. Just as if you never sinned. Isn't that awesome? When God justifies you, when we place our faith in Christ to be our Lord, to be the Savior of our lives, God justifies us at that moment. And what that means is that it's as if we never sinned. And that's not because we did anything, right? It's because God is gracious. It's by his grace. And we can thank him for that, and we can praise him for that, because there's nothing we could have done to earn his grace, to earn his love. And so I want us to bow our heads. I want us to close our eyes. And if that's you this evening and you're, you're just thinking, I, I, I want peace from the Lord. I want that peace. If that's you this evening, I want you to pray this prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a prayer of declaration so that way you could hear yourself praying this prayer. But just say, Jesus, I give you my life. So Jesus, I give you my life. It's just a simple prayer. And when you pray that prayer, it's a prayer of saying, Jesus, I'm nothing without you. And I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins. We become a Jesus follower. We're turning away from all this life that's all about myself. And then we turn to God and live for him. And we start living for him. And so if that's you tonight and you've prayed that prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. It's a prayer of saying, yes, I, I trust in you from here on forth. And that I know that you forgave me of my sins and that I live for you from this day forth. See, there's nothing we can do to, to earn God's love and his mercy. But just like what Jesus did in Jerusalem, where he walked into their lives, he's walking into your life. And he's saying, I love you, and I forgive you. And here's grace, here's mercy that's new every day. Whether we've been faithful or unfaithful, God is always faithful. Every, every morning, his mercy is new for us, that he gives us. And let's all stand up with our heads bowed still and eyes closed. But I want to do this next challenge. Before this next challenge, for, for us as Jesus followers, we're already in it. We've got a relationship with Jesus and we're following him with our lives. I just want to encourage you to keep obeying, keep following Jesus.
Life, life is tough and it's getting harder, it seems. And lately it seems like, man, Lord, can we catch a break? It's, it's getting harder and harder, Lord. Just stay faithful because he's given you victory. God has given us victory over it. And we just stay faithful and keep following him. My challenge for those of you who, who, who prayed the prayer tonight, and if that's you and you said, Jesus, it's your first time giving your life to Christ. I just want to be the first to welcome you into the family of God. I want to be the first to welcome you as my brother or as my sister. And if that's you tonight, and we're just going to, we're going to rejoice with you. We're going to clap with you. We, this, uh, I'm just going to count to three. And if that's you and you pray that prayer, just raise your hand, okay? Holy Spirit, give them boldness. Give them strength. One, and then and on the count of three, when you raise your hand, we're just going to clap. and We're going to celebrate that God has saved you and God has changed your life starting tonight. Two, Holy Spirit, give them strength. Three, yes, thank you. Let's, let's celebrate. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are good. God, we just come to you. I just want to pray for those who would raise their hands. God, we come to you humbly for these lies that, that have you have made alive starting tonight. They're now starting their new journey of, of faithfully walking and following you. God, it's going to be hard, but you're faithful. You are loving. You give them strength, and we are more than conquerors through Christ. And for those of us, Lord, who are already followers of you, may we come around them and encourage them when they, when they come through tough times. Because now this, this is our new sister, our new brother. Lord, I pray as we separate tonight, Lord, may we ponder, may we focus and think and meditate on your word that you've entered our lives with your will and your goodness and your salvation and that we could never thank you enough and that may we live for you faithfully.